Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hola and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryan. There's Jerry over there. And this is Stuff You Should Know, uh, the Poor Attempts at Spanish edition. And yet another drug cast. Mm-hmm. Covering all the drugs, everybody. One by one. And this yep. one is Ayahuasca. We'll have to do one just specifically on DMT. Sometime too. All right, because they're you know it's the DMT is the base of ayahuasca, but it's different. I mean, there's other stuff going on with ayahuasca that DMT doesn't have. And spoiler DM- alert: DMT is its own thing for sure, from what I can tell. Yeah. Okay, so it's agreed then, Chuck. Yeah, but you just ruined this whole episode. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, let's go back to the beginning then. Uh, yeah, ayahuasca. Uh, it has a bunch of different names, and this is something I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a dummy. I didn't know anything about ayahuasca except to to use it as jokes. You know, yeah, it's been yeah. sort of a running punchline. Okay. Like, you know, you have to forgive me. I'm on ayahuasca, that kind of thing. I gotcha. But uh, I, I thought it was, that was the name of like a plant and it was one plant yeah, called that's what I ayahuasca. Right. That's sort what of I like, uh, what's the, uh, what's the other plant? The, the, Corn. <laughs> yeah, just sort of like corn. <laughs> um, no, the one that like, you know, the doors took the... the what, Oh, uh, the, mescaline? Yeah, mescaline. Yeah, but that's not the plant. What's the plant? Is mescaline the plant too? No, what? Peyote. Peyote, that's right. But which, that's the mescaline buttons on a peyote plant. Right, which we haven't covered yet. We should do one on peyote. Bam, another drug cast coming at you. Uh, but ayahuasca is not the name of a plant. No. Uh, it is actually a, a concoction made from a couple of different plants. Yeah, yeah. And originally it was just one plant, actually, known as the vine of death. Yeah, are, are we going to pronounce these? <clears throat> well, let's see what we can do. <laughs> okay. You did the time-wasting throat clear. I know I that move. <laughs> it, it's stalling. So if you go and drink ayahuasca today, you're probably getting one that's a combination of a plant called Psychotria viridis. Mm-hmm. I think I got that. And a vine known as Banisteriopsis copy, C-A-A-P-I. So, Psychotria viridis mm-hmm. and Banis- 
Dariopatosa. Man, there's a lot of letters in that one. Yeah, but if it's it's pronounced like it looks. Though. Yeah, Banisteriopsis. You got it. All right. Copy. Right. And that one, the second one, the copy is the vine, correct? Mm-hmm. That's the OG ayahuasca ingredient. Right. The vine of death. And this is, uh, I guess we haven't even really said, we've danced around it. It is a, a, a drug concoction mm-hmm. that they have been taking um, since who knows when, but since before Europeans arrived in the New World. Sure. A long, long time in South America. Yeah, and specifically, they think it may have originated among the Napo Runa tribe in Ecuador. Right. But it's spread throughout the Amazon basin. And today, if you are a uh, well-to-do tech worker who <laughs> makes your way down to South America, you're probably going to go to Peru to check out your ayahuasca trip. Yeah, this became a thing, weirdly, uh, in Silicon Valley— uh, if you are a young, uh, rich entrepreneur in Silicon Valley that has mm-hmm. a couple of hit apps on your hand, mm-hmm. it became a thing to throw on your hoodie and travel to South America to take part in an ayahuasca ceremony. Yep. And I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I guess I know what happens is one uh, one dude does that and then says, bro, you got to do this. <laughs> right. A late night conversation at Burning Man opens the floodgates. <laughs> Absolutely. That's how it went down. And then before you know it, it, it's a thing. Right. You know, there's some kids in Silicon Valley being like, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. Are they making fun of us right now? Yeah. And then they feel that, that hood that they've never even put over their head <laughs> itching their neck. And they're like, oh. Stupid stereotypes being true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. At any rate, ayahuasca. Yes. So um, it did start out as a traditional thing, but there's like, you know, the whole popularity that grew among Westerners traveling down to South America for whatever reason. I'm sure um, for vision quests, for fun, mm-hmm. a drug they hadn't tried yet. Who cares? There's a lot of reasons that people travel down to South America to partake in this. Um, certainly most of them not nefarious or dumb, um, probably a lot of the reasons were great. But the the influx of Westerners and Western money has radically altered ayahuasca and, and the ceremonies and rites and the, the people who perform ayahuasca ceremonies just over like the last 10 or so years, dramatically. Yeah, one might even say that the Western white man has ruined the whole thing. I think that there's... I think it's been commercialized, but mm-hmm. that there are still very much um, the the original or the real deal is protected in many ways by by the people who are like, yeah, you guys go drink it over there. We've got our thing going on over here. Yeah, and in fact, there's at least two churches in the United States that practice ayahuasca diets um, that that are real deal religions, as far as the Supreme Court's concerned. Um, that clearly show that there are, there is real legit ayahuasca ceremonies being practiced throughout the world. I think both of them are, are um, from Brazil. Yeah, in 2006, uh, the Supreme Court said that uh, the Unio do Vegetal, UDV, uh, was a legit religion. Uh, they are, in fact, from Brazil, Christian spiritualists, about 17,000 uh, uh, adherents all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the literal translation of that religion is the union of the plants. 
Right. So it's like a plant religion. And ayahuasca is at the center of this. Uh, yeah. The other one is a Christian syncretism. Which yeah, this, is like uh, Santo Daime. Yeah. That one is like um, they incorporate not just indigenous Brazilian and South American beliefs, but also some African indigenous beliefs or folk beliefs as well. Like it's it's a whole um, very big inclusive pantheon. That that is centered around visions from ayahuasca and like an ayahuasca sacrament. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, both protected uh, in the United States by law now that this is part, this plant concoction is part of their religion. Uh, they cannot be arrested for doing this uh, because the legalities of it is 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 technically illegal. Um, it, it's a little gray whether or not the actual plant is illegal. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah, supposedly the plants themselves are not illegal. It's the co- the combination or the brew made from them that's illegal. Gotcha. That's what I saw. I don't know that that's necessarily true. And I would guess if the plants are still legal now, they won't be in two, three years. Right. Because, you know, why, why make it legal? <laughs> why let it be legal? Yeah, it's something people get enjoyment for that comes from the earth. Let's outlaw it. Yeah, I don't know if enjoyment's quite the right word, though, from the way that um, the grabster puts it, that the, the an ayahuasca trip is not necessarily fun. It's a harrowing, psychological, spiritual journey that you're undertaking. All right, let's take a break. Okay, all right. I see you getting excited over there. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about DMT and, and kind of what's going on in your body physiologically right after this. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey everyone, Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Right, so DMT, uh, which you mentioned at the onset, uh, the 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 one part of this concoction, the P. viridis, uh, contains DMT. You going to pronounce that? Oh yes, it's <laughs> dimethyltryptamine. Oh, look at you! 
Mm-hmm. Just rolls off the tongue now, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Uh, so this is something not exclusive to P. Uh, veritas. It's found in a bunch of psychedelic substances. And this is something that can cause hallucinations, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, changes in your perception, your state of consciousness, mm-hmm. uh, your sense of self, which we'll really get into because it has a lot to do with the ayahuasca journey. Right. Um, however, if you just eat the DMT, um, it's not going to have this this kind of effect on you because – uh, there's an enzyme called uh, monoamine uh, oxidase, mm-hmm. and that's going to break it down in your, in your digestive system before it gets absorbed. So you have to combine it with this copy vine, which prevents the uptake of it. Yeah, the copy vine has an alkaloid called a harmala alkaloid, and harmalines are psych- psychotropic in and of themselves, which is why the um, the copy vine alone used to just be ayahuasca. But the fact that it prevents um, your, your, the monoamine oxidase to break down the DMT, it allows your body to absorb it, and all of a sudden you're tripping balls. <laughs> Although I hear it's not all of a sudden. I think it's, it takes a good 30 minutes to come on, and then it takes like a supplementary boost um, an hour or so later to to really bring on like the 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 kind of transcendent experience that people are looking for when they take ayahuasca. Yeah. For sure. So so you've got the you've got the DMT being absorbed. That's the one two punch, right? Mm-hmm. You've got the DMT itself and then you've got the plant that allows the DMT to be absorbed. And when you put those two things together, the P viridis and the B copy, that's what the that's the ayahuasca that you read about in Vice. That's what they're talking about. Yeah, and these, you know, this is administered by a shaman, um, someone who ideally is a shaman that knows what they're doing. And there sometimes there are other plants that are brewed in there as well, but uh, not always. And sometimes it's brewed separately and then combined later. Sometimes it all depends on which shaman you go to of what the ritual is like. Sometimes you're included as part of it. Um, sometimes it's like a, a thick liquid tea. Sometimes it's a paste. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been described, no matter what it is, it seems like around the uh, the horn, everybody says it, it tastes awful. So awful that, that you can very easily throw up, which is something that's pretty common with a um, with an ayahuasca experience. It's, I didn't get that from the, from the taste, though. I no, got no, no, that, no. that that was like once it's in your body, it makes you nauseous and you throw up. Right. but Not I, like, oh, this tastes so bad, I'm going to puke it up. No, no, because then it wouldn't be in your body long enough to be absorbed, right? Yeah. But I think the taste and the memory of the taste combined with the nausea is enough to throw up. But the whether whether you do throw up or not, it's not necessarily like 100% you're going to throw up. The, the, the point, one of the points of an ayahuasca ceremony is to throw up. You're meant to throw up. Um, and you're, you will actually be forced into this either if you don't do it from the ayahuasca, you may also be given something like tobacco juice, Mm -hmm. like a water with tobacco that's soaked in it for a while. And you'll be told to drink that so that you will throw up because this idea of purging, whether it's throwing up or diarrhea is a very frequent side effect of ayahuasca. (laughs) Very frequent. Um, you are you are meant to be purging your your body, and it's meant to be this kind of symbolic spiritual purge of your ego, of all the nastiness, of all the the horribleness that's a part of you. You're getting it out as part of the trip, and, and as the trip sets in. 
Yeah, and the, uh, the taste has been described. Uh, the New York Times has said it's like a um, muddy herbal taste. Uh, someone from Vox.com uh, took it, a guy named Sean Illing. He described it as a cup of motor oil diluted with a splash of water. Right. So I the, read I read it's almost as gross as a Necco wafer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a Necco wafer. Good on you. Have you? No. What, am I crazy? What are they? Necco wafers. They're like old-timey kind of like chalky candy oh, okay. that comes in a roll. You've seen them. Probably. You've seen them. <laughs> in my old-timey candy days. Exactly. I'm sure I did. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, I guess we should talk a little bit about, uh, like you said, um, its, orange, its origins in the Napo River Basin mm-hmm. by this Runa tribe, like you said. Uh, and it's called the Vine of Death or the Mother Vine, this copy. And they think that early on they may have just taken this copy by itself, right? Right. Because like, again, Without the brew. It's got the harmalines in it. That's not only an MAOI, but also has like its own kind of psychoactive stuff going on. So that was the original ayahuasca. Yeah, and we have written accounts from like the 1700s when uh, Jesuits would go to the Amazon to try and, you know, Christianize folks. And trip balls. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm sure the entry was like, whoa, and that's it. (laughs) Did you hear about the guy that was just killed, the missionary? Yes, on um, Sentinel Island. Yeah, he, he <laughs> it was like something from a movie. He went at first, and a child shot an arrow through a Bible that he was holding, apparently. Mm-mm. I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, because he, he went back a few times and was like journaling about it mm-hmm. and said he basically like held up his Bible. It's like something from a movie, and an arrow was shot through it. I'm like, dude, if that is not... Like, if you believe in God, that's a sign from God. Well, you, you remember Saying, the... Turn around. The man in the hole episode, we talked about them. Yeah. They were the ones that, like, you, like everyone knew, you just don't go anywhere near them. And th- some fishermen had been killed, like, years, a few years back. And this guy, I guess, had tried, um, he decided he was going to be the one. Yeah. I don't actually know enough about the story, but he clearly was trying to He's gain tr- access to them. Yeah, yeah. He, he was trying to spread the word of Jesus and paid... Uh, like, it, you're not supposed – it's illegal, I think, to even trespass there. Yeah. But he paid people sort of under the table to take him there, and uh, they did so. And those people were arrested, uh, and his family is saying, you you need to let these people go because he, like, really wanted to do this. I see. It's very interesting. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. But I just, like, that sounds like something you would make up from a movie, like shooting an arrow through the Bible that you're holding up. <laughs> right, exactly. You know? Uh, so we got a little sidetracked, but we were talking about the Jesuits – Mm-hmm. Like having this on record in the 1700s right? when they went and they were like, hey, there's something going down down here that's very interesting. Yeah, and even William S. Burroughs wrote the Yahe letters um, yeah. in 1963, and it was about his experience with the ayahuasca vine. And apparently the, the practitioners at the time knew um, well into the to the the 20th century that you could combine it with the— um, Peveritis right. vine and, and have a completely different experience. But that wasn't necessarily the point. That was like an optional ceremony you could perform. But the most the most widespread and traditional ceremony was just the vine of death, right? Yeah. And then at some point, somebody started putting them together and word about this got out. And the, the mid-2000s is when it just, ayahuasca like kind of, hit the the public consciousness in in the West. Yeah, I mean, in the 60s, of course, uh, 
in in certain uh, you know subcultures in America, they knew about it because of William S. Burroughs and people seeking out you know things like peyote and all kinds of uh, psychedelic experiences. Mm-hmm. But it definitely was not sort of in the mainstream. Uh, until, you know, not not too long ago. And even still, I think even at the time, it was strictly the harmalines and and just the uh, the vine that was being used, the copy vine. It, was, it, it wasn't, somebody started putting it together frequently with the, um, the veritas plant, and that's when it became hugely popular. Yeah, so popular now that there is ayahuasca tourism, Big time. Like going on in South America in, uh, said the central part is Peru's uh, Arumbamba Valley. And if you, I mean, if you were going down for an ayahuasca experience, like a spiritual quest is is the reason you're going down there. Mm-hmm. I don't fault you for that at all. Sure. Um, but you have to understand the the you have to do your research. You can't just show up in South America and be like, "All right, somebody give me some ayahuasca," because there are a lot of um, unscrupulous and nefarious outfits that have come up sure. to to take advantage explicitly of that kind of Western tourist, mm-hmm. the ill-informed Western tourist who is going to have a horrible, terrible trip and not going to get the spiritual experience you're looking for. Um, so you have to do your research because there are some legitimate ayahuasca outfits uh, in South America, but you, um, they're, they're not going to take you if you just show up down there and you're going to end up in some, some, in a bad situation. Yeah, for sure. Um, so taking part in, in one of these ceremonies, let's say you do find like a, a legit shaman who's willing to take your American dollars or whatever, mm-hmm. however you're paying your gold ingots and trinkets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it, it still is sort of funny. It all goes back to Burroughs with the set and setting thing, right? Uh, which is what he famously preached about any psychedelic experience, is to really put a lot of thought into the set and the setting where you're going to do this. So it goes well for you. Um, so as this uh, concoction is being brewed, like I said before, sometimes you're taking part in this and helping to mash it up and brew the tea. Um, but what they're really trying to do is um, the whole ceremony isn't just like for show. It's it's all part of the thing to get you settled in and right. focused on kind of the right things going in. Like what do you want to accomplish here? What do you want to find out about yourself? What questions do you have about yourself? Mm-hmm. And really get into that, that frame of mind as they hand you your puke bucket. <laughs> Although I would recommend bringing your own. Oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. I would not want a, a reused puke bucket. Good Lord, I hadn't even considered that. No, it would be BYOB for me. So, um, yeah, the, I can just totally see how as a as a Westerner, you would just be like, come on, we don't need the ceremony stuff. Let's just get, give me the good stuff. Right. But that, like you said, that's the point is to ease you into it, to get your mind and, and body prepared for this this enormous trip you're about to go on. Because if you just get dropped right in the middle of it without any kind of preparation or without any kind of assistance, you're going to lose your marbles pretty pretty well. Yeah. Um, so that that is a big part of going on an ayahuasca journey is, is having somebody who's competent, trained, and um, empathetic 
and willing to stay there with you, to prepare you, to stay with you, to keep an eye on you. You need to be monitored. You can't be up and like just running off into the jungle by yourself because terrible things are going to happen to you yeah. in that situation. Um, and then to help you afterward as well. And from from some of the preliminary research that's starting to come in, if you undertake an ayahuasca uh, journey, I guess, is like, it's the best word I can come up with. Um, under the right setting, under the right guidance, with the right support, both pre, during, and after, it can have profound effects on your spirituality and your sense of connectedness to the universe. It can also possibly help you with um, with diagnosed mental illness as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the, the illness part, mental illness part at the end, but... Um, just your standard sort of uh, truth seeker, let's say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's very much tied into like what the – in ideal conditions in like the 60s and 70s with the LSD – well, I guess beyond. But the LSD experience in that uh, there was a lot of talk in the 60s about the ego. Mm-hmm. And every, you know, hip musician in, in the United States talked about stripping away the ego. Mm-hmm. From Brian Wilson to the Mamas and the Papas to, you know, Neil Young, uh, is stripping away that ego of yourself, basically, which which means kind of getting outside yourself to the point where uh, you're not looking at the world around you and how it affects you. Mm-hmm. But uh, there there is no you. There is no. It's a loss of self such that's so profound that you can only see the world and people around you as they exist in reality. Uh, it's it's a pretty sort of deep, trippy thing to try and describe in words on a podcast. Mm-hmm. But I think that's sort of the general thing is is uh, washing that ego down to where it's not around anymore and you get like a true sense of the world around you. Right. Like for the maybe for the first time. Yeah, yeah. The, the ego in and of itself isn't a bad thing. Like it's, it's – they think that it developed among animals as a – like that's your sense of self-awareness. That's the – the thing that leads you to want to preserve your own life, to get away from danger, to realize that, like, you can die because there is a you, right? It's a very basic thing. Um, The problem is, is in humans, as we've evolved, our ego has also evolved, and it can get to a point where it's unhealthy. It's kind of toxic. It can help you develop bad bad relationships. People don't want to be around you. It can also affect your self-esteem if your ego's underdeveloped. There's a lot of problems that can go wrong with the ego. And so a lot of people who prescribe psychedelics to deal with that kind of thing say psychedelics strip away the ego. And now that we've gotten to the point where we are advanced enough as a civilization that we can give people acid and put them in the an MRI machine, the wonder yeah. machine, and watch what happens. We've shown that, yes, it seems like the, the areas that are responsible for generating the ego, don't they get kind of turned off while you're um, under the influence of psychedelics. And it allows you to connect, to see outside of yourself, to see that you are connected with all of this other stuff. So this whole ego depletion or ego stripping, um, it's a major component of not just ayahuasca, but all psychedelics. But it is a big, it's a big reason why people undertake ayahuasca um, journeys again. <laughs> I love it every time you say that. But get this, this there was something I hadn't realized before, Chuck. So that from those MRI studies, mm-hmm. they found that um, there's something called the default mode network, which is the, the thing that keeps your body humming and keeps your... It's the part of your brain that's going while you're not thinking, right? Mm-hmm. 
And they found that when the default mode network is suppressed and your frontal cortex is activated, that's when it seems that your um, your ego is at the least, it's when your ego is turned off and you're free to connect with the universe or whatever, right? Yeah. Well, that default mode network is a very primitive part of our brain. It's a very primitive system of our brain. And it kind of suggests in a way that the loss of ego is something that we may eventually evolve to. Oh, wow. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Because if your frontal cortex is what's being activated and your default mode network is inactivated, that's like your ancient brain and your evolved brain. One's activated and one's one's suppressed and your ego's gone. That that says to me, like, well, yeah, if we keep evolving a frontal cortex, I wonder if we'll lose our ego at some point, or at least it'll be radically altered. Interesting. I thought so, too. Yeah, so what can happen, uh, it, you know, like, like any sort of psychedelic trip, it's going to be completely um, singular to the person that's doing it. There is mm-hmm. no across-the-board sort of sweeping statements you can make. But um, you strip away that ego, and anything can happen from feeling – uh, connected to the more connected to the universe or the earth or uh, the tree you're leaning against or maybe the the father that passed away when you were a child that you didn't have a relationship with or the uh, loved one that you currently have a toxic relationship with you can feel sort of a uh, not imaginary but it, it is in your mind but a bond mm-hmm. uh, in that they're not like right there in front of you um just new understandings of relationships that may be complicated or toxic in your life. Right, exactly. Like you're you're re, you're seeing them in a different way because of that ego loss. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fascinating. Um, and like you said, it, it is a symbolic death of the ego, which is why that vomiting is important. Like mm-hmm. uh, in theory, I guess you're you're vomiting up that ego, and then it's go time. Um, apparently, you can hallucinate your death. Uh, and like you said before, it's not often looked at as like, hey, man, this is this is going to be a great time. Um, <laughs> but party. At, at the same time, I think it's also typically not like looked at as like some horror show that you're about to undergo, um, although it can be. But it's just a profound uh, emotional and, and psychological experience. Right. Exactly. I've never done it. Not me either. <laughs> but this is from researching it. Right. Exactly. Which is like, um, we've never been to the sun either, but we talked about that. Yeah, and that went great. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, now that you mention it, should have used a different example. Uh, let's take another break, and then we'll talk about what you kind of teased earlier with um, uh, ayahuasca and how it could be used to treat addiction or PTSD or other mental illnesses right after this. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. 
Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey everyone, Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Okay, Chuck, so we're back and we're talking about using ayahuasca as a tool, like taking that experience of being outside of yourself, of connected to the rest of the universe, of reevaluating your life in a lot of ways yeah. to cure mental illness. Um, and one of the things that it's been, I guess some studies have actually shown, like, no, this this actually works, is to treat addiction. Um whether it's cigarettes or booze or drugs or whatever, that that uh, you can undergo an ayahuasca ceremony, people have and have come out on the other side like, I'm good, I don't need that, the cigarettes or booze or drugs or whatever. Yeah. And one of the one of the the suggestions for what's going on with this that I saw is that you uh, you are actually healing the psychic damage that's causing you to self-medicate in the first place. Right. Something probably from your past. Mm-hmm. And then so you, with without that need to self-medicate, you don't have necessarily the desire to drink or smoke cigarettes or whatever that you used to, which is a different model of addiction that's kind of starting to gain a little bit of traction, but is also very controversial because it makes it sound like addiction is a choice. Right. Like you're self-medicating. You're choosing to do all those drugs and like throw your life away because of some other psychic trauma but there there does seem to be a camp in in um, medicine that is saying like mm, this actually might have legs it kind of makes a lot of sense and from what i can tell those ayahuasca studies kind of are a check mark in that view's favor yeah and i think that can work in conjunction with the other piece which is removing that ego uh even if it's for whatever how many hours that you're undergoing this trip um could just simply disrupt that you know, you often hear about addiction being like this uh, sort of cycle, mm-hmm. like a cyclical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just disrupting that cyclical path or that circular path um, can be enough to sort of get you on the off-ramp uh, from using. Yeah. Get you on the off-ramp? Get you, <laughs> yeah, on the off-ramp. Yes. That's what you said, right? Yeah, and then yeah. eventually off that off-ramp <laughs> onto a nice, chill side street. Yeah, and then maybe a nice drive into the country, past a few cows, and then sleep. Yeah. I had a I had a therapist one time that talked about uh, getting off of the highway. It was a metaphor that actually worked for me. Mm-hmm. But like choosing to get off the highway when certain things were happening. And sometimes something that simple is just kind of clicks in. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, if I notice something's going on. I'm speeding down that highway toward the badness. Mm-hmm. I can just get on that exit ramp 
And now I'm in my neighborhood. Now I'm hanging out with cows <laughs> in, in a nice bucolic pasture. Uh, PTSD is another, uh, specifically, I think, a lot of times with military PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been, you know, using psychedelics more and more, and ayahuasca is no stranger to this treatment. And um, while it is not a magic pill, they are doing some studies on this. And it seems like, uh, and like with all these, it's tough to get funding for these kind of studies sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it does seem like it's gaining more ground in the medical community to try out uh, these kind of experiments. Well, they're trying like hell to get some of these studies underway in the United States, but because ayahuasca is considered a Schedule One drug, which yeah. is the, the worst, most nefarious drugs of all, um, you, they can't. They just, I don't think there's been a single study in the U.S., but fortunately, they can just go down to South America and do the, the best they can with some of the ayahuasca centers that are down there. And like, again, there are some legitimate ayahuasca centers that take Western tourists for ayahuasca journeys. Um, and some groups are, are going down there to partner with those centers to study people. Some of the people they're trying to study are PTSD patients. And they think that if ayahuasca is helping people with PTSD, which it seems to be, it's it's basically negative exposure therapy where you're dredging up all of those worst, the, your worst memories that are yeah. cr- causing your PTSD, which is bringing them to the surface and allowing your awareness to kind of shine a light on them and say, okay, I'm going to recategorize these now. And they're not being categorized as bad and, and frightening as they were before. It's not as traumatic as as they were originally categorized. Yeah, and and specifically in this study that you're thinking about is uh, or talking about is combat veterans mm-hmm. uh, suffering from PTSD, and it's the Temple of the Way of Light uh, in the Amazon has partnered with uh, a group in Spain and the UK, the International Center for Ethnobotanical Research and Service in Spain, and then the Beckley uh, Foundation in the UK, and they're treating close to six hundred. Uh, combat veterans a year, and it says it's the largest psychedelic study um, ever undertaken. So, oh wow, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, I know that they're using um, MDMA to treat PTSD as well. And then I can't remember the name of that one treatment, but remember you like follow a pen with your eyes while you're going over your worst memory, and it it recategorizes the the memories as less scary. I don't remember that one. Yeah, I can't remember what we talked about it in, but that apparently works really well, too. So... Without the vomiting. Right. (laughs) That's a big part of it, though, my friend. Mm. Just bring your own bucket. Uh, Problems with ayahuasca. um, It is not generally toxic, and you would have to take uh, so much ayahuasca, sort of like when we were talking about marijuana, like, is there even a lethal dose? Can you even say that? Uh, Because the lethal dose, apparently, for ayahuasca is 20 times what you would normally take in a typical ceremony. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as, as the grabster put it, or uh, he might have been quoting someone, but it's uh, could could anyone even choke this much of that down? Right. <laughs> like, Probably not. Is that even possible? But there have been, I mean, there have been some deaths that have been related to ayahuasca. And, and when you dig a little deeper, you find like, oh, it wasn't actually the ayahuasca directly that caused this, but these people would not have died had they not been in South America on the ayahuasca journey, right? Yeah. That's so there's, a good way to say it. There's this one guy who um, who died in, I believe, 2014. He was an American. No, he's British. I'm sorry. And his name was Henry Miller. And he uh, died 
on the way to the hospital because he'd gone kind of non-responsive. And the ayahuasqueros, ayahuasquero, yeah, I said it, um, that took him to the hospital, had him on a motorcycle. He fell off the motorcycle and died of a head injury on the way to the hospital. So it wasn't the ayahuasca that killed him, but he wouldn't have been on the motorcycle in the first place had he not right. um, been on this ayahuasca trip. So the shorthand and in, in the, the headlines is a man dies from ayahuasca. Yeah, there have been some other cases where, like, people would uh, be having a bad trip and maybe attack someone else, and that would lead to, like, violence or death. Mm-hmm. Uh, or just this year, in 2018 in Peru, um, an 81-year-old shaman uh, woman was shot and killed, uh, and then a Canadian man was murdered for revenge for that killing. Yeah. But supposedly this had nothing to do with, like, being under the influence, but it was some sort of dispute that happened during this this whole conflict. Yeah, the woman was named Olivia Aravalo, and she was the spiritual mother of Peru's second largest indigenous tribe, the Shipibo Conibo. And this guy, this Canadian guy named Sebastian Woodruff, shot and killed her, allegedly because um, her son owed him money. He was there to learn ayahuasca, and yeah. I guess he didn't feel like he'd gotten his money's worth. So he killed her. He killed this this woman, the shaman, the spiritual leader of the second largest tribe in in Peru. And he was Canadian? Yes, yeah, I know. It was surprising. Not a very Canadian thing to do. No, it really wasn't. But the um, the whole thing really revealed the the problems that, that have been developing from this ayahuasca tourism. First, this guy was down there and wanted to learn about ayahuasca so he could take it back to Canada and appropriate this culture. That was right. problem one. Two, he didn't get his money's worth, so he shot and killed the woman who was supposed to be teaching him. It's a big problem as well. But then also between the ayahuascueros and the practitioners uh, who are, are hosting these tourists and then the governments of the countries that they're hosting them in, there's tensions there as well. Because this village said there's police everywhere. The police never come here. Yeah. But then a Canadian man goes missing and now our village is overrun with, with police. Like, what's the what's going on here? Um, so there's there's a lot of tension that's being... There's a, a lot of simmering tension that's being heated by this this Western ayahuasca tourism. And um, it's kind of largely in part because it's unregulated, but also because a lot of people going down there don't have respect for what they're doing. Right. And then also a lot of the people who are popping up as ayahuasqueros don't have any respect for what they're doing either. So the the respect that's been given to this this tradition for so many hundreds or thousands of years is being lost. And then on top of that, the ayahuasca that they're they're drinking is so wildly more potent than what it traditionally was all those hundreds of thousands of years. You know, the Jesuits version of ayahuasca. Um, that's really kind of, I think, fueling this kind of recklessness that's that's becoming part and parcel with ayahuasca use down in, in South America. Yeah, because some of these areas are are poor, and mm-hmm. so all of a sudden it becomes a, a hip thing for uh, Westerners with money to come down there with cold, hard cash. And then, like you said, they're appropriating their culture, so that's one strike. But then to appeal to these people, all of a sudden they're not as like, you know, we don't want to freak people out maybe by being too traditional so we're going to westernize our own methods a bit. Mm-hmm. So, and let's, hey, let's get a website going. Uh, and then we'll be the go-to for when they come down here. 
So then they're undermining their own culture. Um, and it's just sort of becoming a big mess, it sounds like. Yeah, and again, I think, like, if you're going down there, like, whether you're Western or um, Asian or whoever you are, if you're going down for a vision quest, that's not that's not what's being, you know, brought out as, as the fault. The fault right. is if you're, if you're going down there because it's hip or because you uh, just want to party or f- f- because a friend did it yeah. um, and you're not, you're not being respectful of it, then that's where the, the issue seems to be arising from. Yeah. Ayahuasca. You got anything else? I do. Oh, yeah, there is one thing that we didn't cover um, that, that can happen. Because the copy vine is a MAO inhibitor, there's a lot of other things um, that can actually kill you that are pretty normal. Like oh, like cho- interactions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can have drug interactions with things as normal as chocolate. Yeah. Because the... the um, monoamine oxidase typically breaks these things down. Uh, and if it's being inhibited so that the ayahuasca can work its effects, you if you eat chocolate, you're toast. Yeah. And one of the other things that um, that it can do is, so the, the mono, the MAOIs prevent uh, your serotonin from being taken up. And that's how DMT acts on the brain. It goes into where serotonin receptors normally fit and just says, let's party, right? Yeah. Um, so with all this extra serotonin floating around, if you also happen to be on an SSRI, a serotonin uh, reuptake inhibitor, yeah, uh, you've got too much serotonin, you can go into what's called serotonin shock. This is where the diarrhea comes in. Uh, that's one of the, um, the symptoms of serotonin shock, but that's one of the mild symptoms. You can also um, have seizures, you, your heart can also stop, and you can die from having too much serotonin flooding your brain. So that's a, that is a direct way you can die from ayahuasca, but it's not from the hallucinogen uh, the aspect of it. It's from the MAOI. So when, they're, uh, when they show up from uh, the Silicon Valley, and they say they're translating, and they're like, "Hey, bro, he wants to know if you got anything, if you've had anything in your body." And then you're like, "No, just my my Celexa and a, a wolf down a Toblerone on the way up, way over. <laughs> I'm good. Right? Let's do this. Yeah, let's skip the ceremony. Just let me drink that stuff. Right? You just yeah, you mash the shaman's face out of your way. <laughs> like, get out of here. Just give me that. And uh, now I know why we haven't been selling tickets in Seattle so much. <laughs> oh no, Seattle, we love. That's not Silicon Valley. Oh, that's right. I mean, we love San Francisco too. We love all, we love all people. We love all of you, everybody. We love all potential ticket buyers. Our egos are <laughs> are down in the pits. Yes. Uh, if you want to know more about ayahuasca, man, do some research. Uh, there's a lot of it out there, so do it. Um, and since I said that, it's time for listener mail. Yeah, I'm going to call this short and sweet, but we did get an answer to something. Uh, Remember in the uh, Fire Twux episode, mm-hmm. you could not remember that game. Mm-hmm. And we got everything from SimCity to... Uh, Civilization. Yeah, none of them were right. But our friend, our new pal, Mike Mangoba. Mike. Says this. Guys, I just listened to the Fire Twux episode. And also shout out to two things. All the people who wrote in and spelled it Fire Twux. Yeah. <laughs> and then all, all the uh, firefighters. We yes. heard from a lot of firefighters. And they all, every single one of them said, yep, it's chilly. Josh did not overstate <laughs> the chilly thing. Yeah, and they were all very nice and said, you guys got most of this right. 
Um, anytime it's something uh, really specific like that, we're going to get some stuff wrong. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were like, you guys did a good job. And one of them even had a joke that said, uh, if you're at a party, how do you know if there's a firefighter there? And the answer is, oh, don't worry, they'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that was from a firefighter. Nice. So I guess they have a sense of humor about it. Uh, so anyway, uh, guys, listen to the Fire Twucks episode, and he talked about the old game that burns buildings to the ground if you don't have a fire station. And that game is called Pharaoh. Yes. Pharaoh. Yep. P-H-A-R-A-O-H. Yep, you're building an Egyptian civilization. Yep, and he said it, it's an expansion game. Uh, the expansion game is called Cleopatra, and it was one of my favorite games, which I still play today. Keep up the chatter. Mike Mangoba. Thanks a lot, Mike. That's exactly what it was. I never in a million years would have remembered that, but it was indeed. Gobes. Uh, oh, is that what we're calling him? Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Gobes. Well, if you want to be like Gobes and rescue us by reminding me of something I can't remember what it was, or just correcting my syntax, you can get in touch with us. We're all over social. You can find those links at stuffyoushouldknow.com, and you can just send us an email. Wrap it up, spank it on the bottom, and send it off to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.